Um, well, uh, just as uh, Luke said, we're still going through Colossians. And, um, and um, we've talked about it, you know, week after week, but one of the reasons that we, one of the reasons that we go through a book from the beginning to all the way to the end is, is, is so that we don't have to skip difficult passages. Or actually, it's maybe, maybe I'm not saying that right. Uh, we don't. We don't get away with skipping difficult passages. That's really what I should say because it's so easy to do. It's a lot easier to find the uh, scriptures that are um, that that tickle our ears and make us feel good, the ones that we really like, and then we, and we like to, to preach on those. We like to talk about those. We like to study those, and so we don't get to do that. Um, we get to study those, and then we get to study the ones that are that are harder. We have to look at the ones that are maybe a little more difficult, or maybe the ones that we think are not uh, as important. Turns out it actually is important because all scripture is is good for for instruction. It's good for reproof. It's good for rebuking. It's good for growth. And so every little uh, every little scripture of Colossians is good for us. And so you know, um, last uh, let's see, three weeks ago, uh, Luke was preaching on King is uh, he is King. Jesus is King over our behavior. Actually, all of Colossians is Jesus is King. Basically, it's what it's come down to. He's king. See, he's, he's first. He's highest. He's above all. He's for all. He's the first. He's the last. He's the reason everything's here. He's the reason uh, creation's here. And it was for him, too. And so, we're, what we're doing is just kind of honing in on different ways that that's true. And so, he's king, he's king over our behavior. Okay, so, uh, he's king over uh, reconciliation. And everything involved in not just salvation, but in our relationships with each other. And how we embody the gospel with each other. And then, he's king uh, in suffering. It was last week. That was one of those ones that's a lot more fun to skip over, you know. If you were here last week, you probably... It was really good. But, but man, if you're choosing, you know, why do I want to talk about that? Well, just make everybody feel good. Suffering doesn't really come to mind. That's not, that's not the thing I... I, I would pick. So, uh, he's king in suffering, though. And that's good news. That's a good thing. And now uh, we're going to look at his king over wisdom and knowledge. And so, here's the danger we're going to have here today. Is that it's going to... It, it's going to be a little bit offensive to our, our carnal minds. Actually, it will be. It will be offensive to our carnal minds. And there's, and there's a reason for that. Let's read um, in Colossians 2. I'm going to go ahead and read... Uh, Colossians 2, 1 all the way through 10. And we'll be going back to it, but I want to go ahead and just read it. Uh, All the way through. Alright. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. And for those at... Oh boy, I forgot to take... Pastor Mark Driscoll, he always says, say it fast and confident and it'll sound like you know it. He said, and I, and I forgot to do it. I hesitated. Laodicea. There, that was good, not good. And for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the, the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit. Rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. 
Therefore, as you received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him, who is the head of all rule and authority. Now, uh, we ended... Uh, uh, part of, of last week's message, uh, Luke actually read uh, Colossians 1.28. So just so that we, we, we make sure we know where we are in the text, I want to go ahead and read that. It's in, it's in chapter 1, 28 through 29. It says, he, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ, for this, is, for this I toil, struggling with all His energy, that He powerfully works within me. So, the reason that's important is because um, this little phrase, uh, teaching everyone with all wisdom. Everyone teaching everyone with all wisdom. So we'll come back to that uh, later. Now, we've learned, uh, because of Luke's diligent teaching, his research, and, and all the work that he's, he's put into this, uh, a lot about the Colossians. We've learned a lot about why even Paul is writing to them. And this is really helpful to us for understanding this. Uh, I mean, uh, for, look, for us to, to really understand what, what this is saying to us, we have to know what it's saying to them, because it, it can't mean something to us that it, that it could not have meant to them. I mean, it just couldn't. That doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's got to, he, he, he wrote it to them first, but it's for us. So it has to mean something to them. All right, let me ask you a question. What do you think of uh, when, you, when you think of the word, when you hear the word wisdom? What comes to mind? Picturing things. Uh, Solomon. Y'all think of Solomon? Did anybody think of Solomon? Nobody? Uh, elderly, an elderly person, an older person. We think of that. I think of that a lot. How about eccentric people, like a, a really eccentric person? I mean, I had a professor, and I, I was just sure he was so wise. He, if it weren't for his clothes that moved, I wouldn't have known he had a body. He was mostly a head. And and it was held. He he was held. It was held onto his body somehow inside the turtleneck that he always wore. It was connected to his body. He uh, he was he was one of the best teachers I ever had. He, I loved it. It was literature, and I, I wasn't really excited about that because um, I not because I don't love literature, but because I was going to have to work and read. And uh, anyway, but he and when he walked, he defied gravity. He somehow his feet were out ahead of. He always had the same, you know, the requisite uh, tweed jacket with patches that all professors must have and a little bit of facial hair. He was, he looked wise. Sometimes we have this picture of wisdom, you know, in our minds. Um, I don't know, what else do we think of, you know? A great leader, a wise leader. Not just any leader, but like a great leader, you know. Yoda, anybody think of Yoda? (laughs) 
If you live 800 years, you get pretty wise, I guess. You know? He's always wise. That's why he says things backwards, because he knows after 800 years that that's the better way of communicating, that you switch around the subject and the verbs, and, you know. So, that's very wise. But see, now we've got to think about what the Colossians actually pictured when they heard the word wise. It may be a little different in some ways from what we picture. What about knowledge? What do we think of, what do you picture in your mind when you, when you hear the word knowledge? Books. Um, subjects in school. Math. Science. You know. PhD. I think of graduations, like knowledge, you know, like the PhDs and the and the people that, you know, they have the gowns and they and they have a lot of depending on how many degrees, and um, I think of that. It comes to mind. Uh, the brain, knowledge, brain research. I, I'm a teacher, so you know, for for a lot of my 12 years of teaching, uh, I've heard a lot about brain research. It doesn't mean I've done any of it. I just hear it all the time, you know, brain research. And I remember it, even in college before I became a teacher, I remember knowledge uh, was this thing that, that, not was, that wasn't imparted to you, but, but rather something that you constructed. You constructed your own knowledge, you know. And so somehow I was going to go into the educational system and, and I was going to facilitate the construction of knowledge with my students. They were going to construct their own, you know. And uh, so, different way of thinking about knowledge. Um, but what about the Colossians? What did they think of when they thought of knowledge? Because they see it was very specific for them, which is why, as Luke mentioned, that's why Paul uses the words a lot. And he uses these words like knowledge, wisdom, mystery on purpose. And so, if we know, if we if we really understand a little bit about what it meant to them, it's and it's not hard to understand that. I mean, he gives us a lot of clues just in the text without even having to do a whole lot of research. I mean, they were in the mystery and mysterious things and things that were secret and hidden and esoteric and things that were happening, like angel worship. We you know we knew that they did that, and so and so that that was somehow if we could tap into that, we could um, you know be. We, 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 could, we could be more spiritual. We, we could excel spiritually. You know? And, 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 and knowledge, we know, we know that, that Gnosticism you know, comes from a Greek word for knowledge. So, but, it, but it's not necessarily just, just book knowledge, but rather a knowledge that needed to be gotten from some, by, by revealing some kind of secret. And so, th- th- this is interesting. If we, if, we know that, if we know this, then when we go back and read this really long sentence, verse 2. I don't know if it's really that long, but it just has a lot of long words. They're not really hard words. They just have a lot of letters. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of all assur- full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery... God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So he threw all that stuff in there on purpose. It wasn't that he was confused about what he was saying. Because he knew that when they were hearing knowledge, they were thinking along the lines of Gnosticism. When they were hearing mystery, they were thinking 
things that were secret and still hidden. So let's look at what let's look at the uh, just the definition of wisdom. I mean, there's a, there's a it's kind of funny when you read the the definition. Sometimes you ever read a you ever look up a word, and then the word that you're looking up is what it means. You ever done that? I mean, I remember looking at when we were thinking of names for our daughter. Hunter came up, and I was like, man, that sounds cool. I wonder what hunter means. So I look it up. It means hunter. It means one who hunts. There's a little bit of this in, in this definition of wisdom. All right, but it, it starts out good, you know. Acu- wisdom accumulated. Now this is from the Middle English. Uh, well, never mind. Accumulated philosophic or scientific learning, knowledge. Okay, so wisdom is knowledge. Uh, all right. The ability to discern inner qualities and relationships, insight. Okay, we're getting somewhere now. All right. Uh, good sense, judgment. That's what we think of when we think of wisdom. A wise. Here's the one I thought was funny. A wise attitude is wisdom. A wise attitude. I guess that means. At first, I thought, what? So I just, if I have a wise attitude, I'm wise. But I guess that means your attitude is based on wisdom. I hope. The teachings of the ancient wise men. That sounds kind of secret and something that needs to be uncovered, doesn't it? What about knowledge? The fact or condition of knowing. <laughs> something. With familiarity gained through experience or association. It's hard to define words that just mean what they mean. You know? So, wisdom and understanding, they, mean, they meant something maybe a little different to them than, than us now, but really, is it really all that different? I mean, let, let's think, let's, we know that, that, and I mean, Luke has made a great case for the fact that there are a lot of similarities between Colossae and, and Knoxville, okay? So here we are in, in, in Knoxville, and, um, you know, um, we, he, what Paul's saying to, to, the, to the Colossians means a lot to us. Okay, so, and I, I think that, that that could be, that case could be made, we, we could go on and on about that. We could probably do that for months. I would enjoy that. Um, of course, I like to listen to lectures. I like to watch videos of people speaking, you know, so not everybody's like me. Um, but let's think about, let's think about um, what, it, what it meant to, to the Colossians again. In order for us to understand what Paul's saying to them, we have to understand what it meant to them. So, Gnostics, they, they, there was something, that, an unknown mystery that, that, had, that had to be unlocked. That's, what, that's why that Paul says it. So these are the people that were, that were driving around. I hope I don't offend anybody someone has this sticker. It's actually very clever. I like this sticker. But, but they were the ones that had the, the coexist sticker on the back of their, of their car. Where all the little symbols and they and they all come together and they and they 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 spell the word coexist because they were also kind of into into syncretism. There's a I almost said synchronism, syncretism, which is where you kind of get uh, you know a few things all together and and find that they all work in harmony. Okay, so here's where it gets really offensive to our carnal nature: the idea that. Uh, all wisdom and understanding 
is hidden in Christ, and there's actually only one Christ. And you know what? Paul meant that to be uh, confrontational. I'm not saying he wanted to you know, offend them, but he, he, he confronted them with that. I mean, it's, I, I don't want to get away from the text too much without, without talking about that. Let's, let's look at that. As it says, to reach the, the rich... Okay, I'm going to go past that. Yeah. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay. Hidden. Like they're in Him. But, so you say, well, but, but isn't all the knowledge and wisdom, isn't it hidden in Him? So now we need like some kind of way, like some kind of secret key to unlock that knowledge and, and get it. Well, no, because right before that it says, it says, um, understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Well, so, I mean, Jesus said, Jesus, He came down to earth. I mean, he, God came to earth. He sent His Son. And, so it's not really that big mystery anymore. I mean, he's, here He is. So it, which is Christ. So it's not really hidden anymore. It's in Him now. And so, now, um, that's what's really going to offend people. I, I want you to think of it this way, though. I, I, this helped me. Um, and I, this is what Paul's trying to say to the Colossians. See, my daughter, um, she, can, she can really only come to me and, and, and call me daddy, right? She can only, I'm the only one she can do that with, right? I mean, and, it, and it'd be true. I mean, she can't just go up to anybody... And, and they might have characteristics that are a lot like me, you know, or they might, you know, it might be daddy-like or daddy-esque. They might uh, do something that a dad does. Um, but, I, but I'm the only one that actually is, right? So she can only... Con- That's not offensive to her because she knows I, I, there's only one of me, Right? Well, that's what Paul's saying to the Colossians. He's saying, look, there's, there's, you guys are, are, you're hearing some teaching and it's confusing you in the, and making you think that there is, uh, there are other ways and other, you know, ways of getting knowledge and wisdom. It's actually all in Christ and there's only one of Him. There's not a lot of Him. There's only one. Now it, it seems like it, that shouldn't be offensive, but for, but to our to our our nature, our you know our carnal nature, that is offensive. Because what that does is it takes it just takes control out of our hands, I mean, we, and we don't have the control anymore. Oh, well, why look? Why 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 were the Colossians even even doing that? Well, they were trying to they they thought there was something they could attain from that. That there was some that they could have control. That if they just got this right, or just understood this, or just had this certain knowledge, then they, then that gives you control. And Paul takes the control right out of their hands again. Says, "No, it's actually all of the knowledge and wisdom is hidden in Christ, and there's only one of Him. And now it's not even a mystery anymore. So because He's already revealed Himself to us." <laughs> You know, because God God reveals Himself how He pleases, and that's how He pleased to that's how He was pleased to do it. And so, Paul's, now Paul's ripping the mystery out of it. 
oh. And that takes a lot of control out of our hands. And, and, and that's offensive to us. We don't like that. We want to manage things. We want to manage our, our um, existence. We want to manage our identity. We want to manage our lives. Um, so we're not any different from the Colossians in that way. And so the Colossians understood these words. I mean, they, were, they, they got what he was saying. They understood uh, that what Paul was saying is, look, the truth and the gospel that you accepted is now being diluted with all this other stuff, and you're doing it because you just want some control. I mean, I remember when I, when I was younger, I read a book uh, by, by really... Um, it's kind of embarrassing, but <laughs> I read this book... And a really popular kind of self-help guy. I don't even want to say his name because I don't want to make fun of the guy. And I, I, I read the book and it was about awakening the giant within. That's what, that's what it's about. But it caught my attention. Because I wanted to awaken the giant. You know? Because I had already failed out of college twice. I was kicked out. I, I had... I don't even know if I should say what my grade point average was. Somebody guess. Just throw a number out. I want you to guess what my my average was. One point eight. Two. Lower. You're assuming there's a number in front of the decimal. That's where you're wrong. Point seven five. That's what it actually got to at one point. Now, um, it <laughs> It's really embarrassing. If it weren't for, you know, God's, you know, hand and just he just his his restoration in my life, I wouldn't there's no way. I mean it's a miracle. Now I'm not a person that just calls everything a miracle, anything great. This is a miracle. That was a miracle. I, I, I truly Anyway, so uh, I worked at Subway as a, as a sandwich artist and uh <laughs> That was before they went to green shirts, so I had the red one. And it was pretty easy back then because they didn't have all those different kinds of bread. It was just white or wheat. So I was so annoyed by working there that before they even ordered the sandwich, I'm like, white or wheat? I'd like a section white or wheat. I just need to know white or wheat first. I can't make your sandwich. I want to... So, yeah, that book was pretty attractive to me. So I was like, there's a giant in me. And I want it to wake up. And uh, so I read the book. And I suggested, you know, methods based on a real basic kind of psychology, like conditioning. and Like that I was going to condition myself to be successful by teaching myself to really um, enjoy the times when I'm successful more. And, and then like, uh, you know, so that would be the good, okay, never the good stimuli. Is that, that's embarrassing. I'm sorry, guys, people who know this stuff. I, but he didn't know that well either. So anyway, you know, I mean, you're going to run into people everywhere. You don't have to look very far to find people, and you may even be one that's in that, in that spot. And isn't that when those, those ways of unlocking or waking up the giant within are so attractive to us? Because then it put the control back in my hand. Because I had no control in my life. I mean, I, I, I was 
just floundering. I had no... I felt out of control. And I wanted to get it back. And this book was going to help me do it. I don't know why you want to be a giant anyway. I mean, wine is bigger, always better. I mean, you know what happened to Goliath, so that's not good. So just like the Colossians were reaching for something other than Christ, um, we reach for stuff like that. We reach for gurus and books. And we reach for education. And we do that instead of, instead of reaching for Christ. And what a lie it was, you know? What an empty deceit. Let me read this part um, from our text today. See to it that no one takes you captive uh, by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And so I, I now this 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 is something I heard uh, Pastor Mark Driscoll talk about. And it was really funny. I found it to be true. I totally identified with it. But have you ever bought a bag of potato chips? I love salt and vinegar potato chips. I love them. And the only thing is, when you you buy the bag, the bag is like this tall. It's it's like that tall. And it's. That it's full of it's it's taut with some kind of tension, like, and I don't know why I think it's chips, but you open the bag and after the the, the little puff of salt and vinegar air comes out, down at the bottom rattling around are a few chips, and it's it's an empty deceit is what it is, as Martin just would call it is lies and. Trickery. That's what it is. It's not that. Why can't they do what Pringles do? You get the tube is this tall, and it's stacked up with chips. They they deliver what they what they promise. It's not an empty deceit. You open it, and there are the chips, all the way up to the top. The salt and vinegar chips, empty deceit. That's what this book ended up being. Because guess what? It didn't help. The giant continued to sleep. <laughs> it was empty to see. I, but I bought into it. It was a philosophy of man. It didn't, it didn't set me free. See, Paul knows this when he's talking to the Colossians. He's, he's speaking to them, even though it's confrontational. It's a love to them. It's a kindness to them. He's like, this is, look guys, this is going to be a bag of salt and vinegar chips. I don't know what the equivalent would have been. If I did enough research, I probably could figure that out. But, but basically, all these philosophies and, and this blending of, of man's traditions, some traditions from uh, Judaism, some, some philosophies from, from the Far East, and some, a little bit of uh, you know, uh, Christ mixed in. You get, you know, it's, it's like the recipe for uh, successful spirituality. You know? And we do that a lot. So you're going to run into people all the time and, and they're going to be in that spot. And sometimes we're in that spot. See, the thing is though, this isn't a new thing and it wasn't new uh, for the Colossians. This is an old thing. This is back from the very, very beginning. Genesis 3. And I, I'm going to read it. 
Because this is really, really important. This speaks directly to what we're talking about today. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. That's funny. That's interesting. Look, not everybody that teaches bad teaching or, or maybe means to do it. Now, the devil did. He was crafty. But man, false teaching is crafty. I mean, that's why they were deceived. He puffed up the bag really well. It made it shiny and it looked good. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of the tree of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. <laughs> And they're really trying to take control, aren't they? Now God had given them some dominion. He he put them in the garden to work it and to work and, and so he gave them some dominion. The thing is, he they didn't they didn't really need to eat the fruit to have wisdom. Well, why is that? I mean they, they thought so. They thought, hey, this is it. I mean, the false teaching, you could call it, coming from the serpent, promised that they're going to get some kind of knowledge. They just have to do something first. Because what God did isn't enough. Creating the universe and the garden and a, and a beautiful place for them to work. And getting to walk with God every day wasn't enough. They, they, there's one little thing they needed to do. They just needed to you know, get control of this thing. Look, I'm going to take the fruit. And now I'm going to be wise. But it was empty deceit, wasn't it? One thing, it was a lie. God had not actually said that, uh, said it exactly the way He had said it, and that's what that's what false teaching is going to do. Man, it's going to be. That's what was happening to the Colossians. They weren't stupid. All those Colossians, <laughs> worshiping angels, believing on Gnosticism, all that junk. Hey, look, I'm level-headed. I'm rooted. In my tradition, and, and my knowledge is sound, I wouldn't go for all that kooky stuff. Yeah, you would. There's, there, because so did Adam and Eve. It, it, it went all the way back to the beginning. So yeah, you would, and we do. Because there's always something plausible. I love that he uses the word plausible. Paul uses the word, a word. Plausible, I love that. There's always something right in the, in the false teaching, in the lie. It's almost right. It kind of makes sense by itself, apart from the whole, the whole picture.
apart from the whole story. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. It's plausible. And that's what, that's what the devil does. So did God really say you shall not eat of any tree? Well, yeah. I mean, he said don't eat of a tree, any tree. Yeah, it's close. She forces her to answer him. And that's what false teachers are going to do. See, here's, here's what was happening. Those false teachers were coming to the Colossians, just like the devil was coming to, to uh, Adam and Eve, or to, to Eve and then Adam and both. And, and, and they're starting with a foundation of, I know something you don't know. That's, that's what it's all about. And you can never know it except by me. That's, that's, what, that's, what a, that's what the false teachers were coming to the Colossians with. Hey, we know something you don't know yet. Yeah, I know you heard from that other apostle. Yeah, I know. Okay. But I know something you don't know. That's what, that's what is always necessary. That's what's always necessary for you to buy into this kind of false teaching. Because uh, then you feel like you're missing out. <coughs> well, well, I need this. I mean, uh, they, they know something I don't know. But we know that that's counter to, to what we just read earlier. Because it says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They're in Him. They're not hidden where we, where, where, where we can't know them. That's because we know Him. And that's why He says to walk with Him. And so, it's a lie if someone comes and says, or if anything, even if it's your own mind speaking to yourself, it's a lie if you say, ah, there's something I can't know just in Christ. There's, I have to have this other thing. I have to. Now, so what? I mean, what, what, what about us then? Because here we are again, like I said, in Knoxville. Well, uh, this is a city with a university in it. And, and when we read the definitions earlier, we, you know, knowledge and wisdom has a lot to do with the accumulation of, of knowledge, the accumulation of information, um, the, the understanding of it, uh, all of those things you know, that we think of as knowledge and wisdom. Um, we have, we have that right here in our city. It, now, it's, it's not just Knoxville that has a university. I mean, this country is, is, is full of, of institutions of higher learning. It's really, really important to our culture um, that, that we have an education. It's extremely important. And I wanted one. And thank God he, you know, was able to pull my grade up. Because I, 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 I couldn't do it. The numbers don't even make sense when I go back. Somehow it, it bumped up enough so I could... Graduate. I mean, I wanted an education. So that's, why, that's one reason it matters to us. I mean, look, in Tennessee, now I was kind of looking this up. I was trying to be, like, kind of nerdy with numbers like Lucas. In a good way, I mean, I, like, he, loves, he loves statistics and numbers. And they really help us understand a lot of things. I'm glad. I'm really not good at that. So you might want to check these out again after I give them to you. But... But in Tennessee, they're like 48. This is counting all of them, two-year, four-year colleges, universities, institutions of higher learning, 48 in, in this state. Kentucky, 35. North Carolina, 38. 
they don't have as many as we do. So, sorry. Georgia, 35. That's a lot just right there. I, th- I mean, and we have more states bordering us. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. I mean, we're going to run into people every day that, have a very, that put a very, very high premium on, on education and therefore on knowledge and, and on, on perceived wisdom. And, the, and, and, and so these people, incl- and, and I include us in this. I mean, we're going we're gonna to weigh the plausibility. This is going to be our natural temptation. We're going to weigh the plausibility of Christianity and the gospel against things that we've studied and read. And so, you know, people in college, and I would say kids, in, but it's not just kids anymore. It's people of all ages in universities because we're lifelong learners. That's a hard word to say for me. It's three words I know, but lifelong learners. So, you know, we're, people are always going to be weighing the plus. So you just want to, you can't, I mean, so look, look, if you think you can just go up and start talking to people about the gospel without that happening, then you're really just fooling yourself. It is going to happen. They're going to begin weighing, and why not? I mean, I mean, Paul spends a lot of time in the New Testament persuading, you know, people and, and, and kind of debating and reasoning with people on, on the plausibility of the gospel. He does that. People are going to do that. And we're going to run into people that are uh, they're in the process of questioning everything they've ever been taught. Because after all, I mean, as soon as we enter the university, that's, one, that's the first thing we do after we get, you know, some of the basic stuff out of the way. Then, we, then we're challenged to, to question a lot of things that we've always just believed and thought. You know, things we were taught. So we're going to run into people like that. We might actually be that person. Um, we're going to run into people that are challenged by their professors to question everything they believe. I mean, I know I was. Luke told a good story of that. That was the one where he stood up and then got kicked out. He just likes to tell that story because he got kicked out of college, at a college class. That's such a cool story. I never got kicked out. I just quietly disagreed. and and uh, Or maybe I didn't. You know, They're being challenged to do this. Again, I, I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, don't let that happen. The gospel can stand on its, <laughs> on its own. I mean, the gospel, the, Jesus doesn't need our, you know, apologetics. He doesn't need that. Um, many of them are searching for their identity. I would say all are searching for their identity, but that, you know, most. That may be extreme. Most are searching for their identity. Who they are. Who God is. Is there a God? Why am I here? How did I get here? Does it even matter? I mean, this is, this is what we're going to run into. Um, you know, as a church in a, in a town like this, with full of, you know, states with universities all around us, we with universities all around us, full of educated and, and you know, smart people, we need, to, we need to know this is what we're going to be uh, this is what we're going to be working with. We may even be starting with ourselves with this. I know I had to. 
In fact, I wrestled with this even as I was studying for this. Wrestling with things I've always thought were true. Wrestling with how my flesh is so offended by the Scripture, by by the text we're studying today. That, that I actually don't have any control over knowledge and wisdom. Like I don't have, I can't get it outside of Christ. It's in Him only. And I lose control. I, I don't like that. Now, um, there's a certain, here's what we're going to run into sometimes. And, and, and when I say this, I don't want to just say like they. I want to say we. But, but we you know, by the power of the gospel and working, as Paul said, with all his energy, we're going to run into this when we're talking with people. It's really fun to know something that other people don't know. And that's a lot of fun. Don't you like that? I enjoy it. I, one time I read this big book about hot dogs. And I watched a couple documentaries on hot dogs. And I have bored people to tears with the trivial details of hot dogs and their history. I really enjoyed that. It didn't matter if their you know, eyes were glazing over. I loved knowing something that they didn't know. So at every opportunity, I'm, did you, you know why a hot dog's called a hot dog? Of course they don't know. They never cared. Well, some people care because they made a whole documentary about it and wrote a book, but... And I'm not going to bore you with it, but I really enjoy telling people the, about hot dogs. Did you know in 1950, they had to make a law that said you couldn't have, what, more than 30% of, of the hot dog being made of, of fat or something like that? Anyway, <clears throat> hot dogs started out really good, and they kind of gone, all right, I'll move. So we really enjoy this. Now, what, I, I mean... Another example, Wes and I, a few months ago, we used to, you know, we used to, Luke and I and Wes and some other people, we'd go up and, and rob, and, and we'd meet up at, at Aubrey's, and, and we'd just talk to people in the bar area, and we'd just engage them in conversation, looking for opportunities to, you know, live the gospel for them, speak it, talk to them, engage them in conversation right where they are, which happens to be the bar area of Aubrey's. And, uh, and I remember Wes and I one, one evening did, uh, had this philosophy student. And she was, she was really smart. And we were, we were talking. And, and I noticed that, that and, and, and the reason it kind of hurt a little because I thought I kind of felt the same way um, about other things. But she really seemed to enjoy that she knew a lot of words I didn't know. And now that's not always easy to, I mean, hard to do, <laughs> to know a lot of words I don't know, but she knew. I, mean, I just didn't know what she was talking about. And, and so, but I noticed something uh, rising up in me, a little pride. Because I, I think I made a, a kind of a neat argument, kind of came in a neat package in it. It was for the gospel, so it's okay. And I, boy, I liked that. I felt really good because it was something she hadn't thought of. And I just realized, man... What a even in my in my desire to share the gospel with someone, I just wanted to have control. I wanted I liked knowing something somebody else didn't know. Especially since she knew so much I didn't know. I'm so glad Jesus doesn't do that to us. 
That's a, that's a love to us, isn't it? That he didn't do that. He actually did the opposite of that. He's made every... God has made every effort, every... I won't say effort because he's always successful. It's not like something he tries in trial and error. He, he's made every... He's taken every measure that we would know him. He has revealed himself, even going so far as to becoming a human being on this earth. I mean, Jesus was a man. That's going pretty far. I want people to know me, so I'm actually going to go and live in the world with a body. And then, and then we, have, we, have the, we have the written word. We have the Bible. And it's not just a little pamphlet. It, I mean, it's rich. You can study it all of your life. You're not going to get it all. It's so, there's so much. But at the same time, it's all you need to, for life and godliness to, to know Him, to know His gospel. Isn't that nice of Him? He could have required that we have a library of 12,000 books. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a, having a lot of books. I mean, Spurgeon had a, had a library of over 12,000 books. I mean, Paul's an educated man. He's done a lot of reading. Nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, we should. But there is something wrong with leaning on it. And that's kind of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. They, they leaned on the teaching that the devil had given them, that that fruit was going to open their eyes. Or awaken the giant within, basically. And we buy into that all the time. I, at one time, when we first got here, uh, Rebecca and, and my family went to uh, a fall festival. Um, it, was, it was held by a local <laughs> church here, uh, just around our house. And we're walking around, and I was kind of... You know, I'd kind of drifted away from the, you know, face painting and the basket weaving and whatever stuff was, ball tossing, whatever. And I was because there was a, there were some guys playing guitar and I wanted to hear it. Kind of drifted away, and and a, and a guy spotted me, and I knew I saw him spot me, and you know I'm kind of an introvert, so I was kind of like, you know, how do I show that I don't want him to come over? <laughs> I know it's terrible, but I mean. It's, so anyway, he starts walking over. He's a leader of the church. He wants, he wants to, you know, he's honed in on it. Look, there's a guy over there. I'm going to go over. And, and I, th- I thought, oh good, he's going he's to talk to me. He's going to share the gospel. I'm going to get to hear it. And maybe I can learn something from him. <laughs> but he actually didn't do that. In fact, uh, he, he, he went into, he began talking about the church. And uh, he, began, he began telling me how... Um, how this church that he had found and that was now a leader in was the most theologically correct church that he had ever found. And just in case I wondered if he really knew, uh, he, he, he told me he had read a lot of books about theology. So, because I actually was not wondering that, but he told me anyway. He just wanted to reassure me, listen, I know what I'm talking about here. This is the most theologically correct church I've ever been in. I've read a lot of books on theology. Now, I could have been lost for all he knew. I might not have even known what the word theology means. 
But he didn't ask me that. I mean, it wasn't enough. The gospel wasn't going to be enough to win me over. I, and I think this is a, that's a telltale sign of what we are running into and what we are dealing with when we talk about Knoxville. That's what, that is what we're doing. What he thought he needed to give me, that's actually what people want. That's why he was doing it. I mean, I don't want to fault him too much. He was just giving me what he thought everybody wants. I want to know your credentials. I want to know, is this the most theologically correct church in town? And I want to know how you know that. How many books have you read? How many degrees do you have? Do you know Hebrew and Greek? Are you really smart? Because if so, then I can trust you. The gospel by itself is not enough. I need more. And that's, that's really what he's doing. He's just offering more. He offered me all his books and his experience at looking for a church that was theologically sound. And that's what he offered me that day. Now, it's a good thing... I, now, I mean, it's a good thing I wasn't lost because I would have been... I might have been lost her after that. Ooh, sorry. Might have been more lost after that. But thank God he's faithful. He would have got to me anyway. But we don't want to do that. We don't, we, we don't want to do that. And guess what? I've been guilty of that. I was actually guilty of that that, that night at Aubrey's when, when Wes and I were talking to the philosophy student. I offered her a lot of things other than just the gospel. Man, that's something I've got to repent of. That's something I need to, I need to not do. Proverbs says in Proverbs 3, 5, love this scripture, because as I was telling Matt one morning, you can take this scripture out of its context, rip it right out, it still means the same thing. Stick it anywhere else in the Bible. It still means it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. That's always true. Always. Always. And so that's what I was doing. Now, it doesn't say, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and therefore you will not need any understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and be ignorant. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not read books. I don't read books. I read this book. I heard a preacher say once. Well, that's good. You need to study this. For sure. <laughs> you better. Some of those books that will help you understand it. Some men, great men of God who've learned how to read it. And you can learn something from them. No, it doesn't say that. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So, don't, don't lean on it. Don't, don't make it your support. It's not your foundation. It's not the thing that's going to sustain you. It's not. When you think about Solomon, the wisest man ever to live, the Bible says, that ever lived and ever will. He wasn't just wise. He wasn't, a Yoda. He wasn't Yoda. We've got to get that out of our minds. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Yoda. He's just wise because he just is. You know, and he's mysterious. That's not that's not what Solomon was like. That's not the kind of wisdom he was. Uh, he he had wisdom that God had given him, but God had also given him the ability to study. He studied all. I mean, if you read 
Scripture tells us he, he knew all kinds of stuff. He knew, knew about plants and agriculture and all kinds of architecture. And he knew, he knew a lot of different subjects. I mean, he, he was a well, very well-educated, well-rounded, knowledgeable man. And God gave that to him, afforded that to him. God didn't make a mistake. Oh, whoops, I didn't mean to make you that kind of smart. I meant for you to be the kind of, you know, esoteric Yoda-like guy. I'm sorry, you know. No, God did that on purpose. So there's nothing wrong with that. There is something wrong with leaning on it, trusting it. And I think he knows that. Like in Ecclesiastes, I just want to read this part. Ecclesiastes. This is interesting. It says, Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, be aware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. I just love that. Verse 11. It says, The collected sayings, they are given by one shepherd. Even the wisest man on earth understood that real knowledge and real wisdom was given by one shepherd. I mean, that's that's really just God revealing Christ to him at that point. It's, it's, really, to, it's, really, a, it's really the gospel right there. Right there in Ecclesiastes. I used to think that there was no gospel in that. I used to still like it anyway. Because I just liked its somber tone and its melancholy feel. But I didn't realize there was gospel in it. Because we know it's given by one shepherd. Well, it's not another one shepherd. It's the shepherd we know. The chief shepherd. That's Jesus. In, in whom all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. So, you know, being thoroughly steeped in our, in our culture, we're going to be tempted and are tempted to lean on our own understanding. We're going to feel like we need to enlighten people with our great knowledge and our great skill of apologetics. I used to argue with my friend when I was younger. He was an atheist, and he was—that's what he said. And I used to try so hard to use logic, you know, which I, I thought I was better at than I actually am, to convince him that there was a God. I worked really hard at that. I mean, we went back and forth for years just to convince him there's a God, just using logic. And they were actually pretty good arguments I had. I thought. Well, finally, he's like. Hey, okay, I believe there's a God now. I just don't like Him. Well, now what am I going to do? <laughs> Got to convince Him to like God? 
yeah, I believe there's a God. I just don't like him because he allows pain in the, in the world. And so if I ever meet him, I'm going to punch him square in the face, you know. So he just, oh, he fought my logic back with just, you know, complete emotion and foolishness, you know. So I, I was left with nothing because I wasn't actually offering him anything. Uh, you know, I wasn't offering him the gospel at all. I wasn't telling him the story of God. I wasn't, I was just trying to use, I was leaning on my own understanding. It didn't help him out very much. See, we don't have to do all that. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is. And, and I don't just mean the little neat saying about what, what Jesus did on the cross and how He rose again. I, I mean, yes, but I mean the whole thing. The gospel from the beginning of, of, the, of this book to the end. Whether it's Ecclesiastes or, or wherever. The whole story of God, the gospel, what He's doing to, to restore His people, to pursue His people and His creation and bring it back to Himself. That is enough. That's, that is, that is, there's power unto salvation in that. So we don't have to, our little arguments and apologetics, they can't compare to that. So that's why Paul says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Well, Paul, why would you be ashamed of the gospel? Well, because sometimes it just seems a little bit too simple sometimes. It's not, though. It's both extremely complex, but it, it's also simple. It's simple in that we didn't have to reveal, we didn't have to go search for that knowledge. God revealed Himself to us. And He did all the work. So in that way, it's simple. And, and that's kind of embarrassing. Oh, I, wish, I wish I had more to, to, to add to that. <laughs> It'd be a, just make me look smarter, you know. That's why Paul said, you know what, I don't care if I look smart. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To Jews first and also to the Greek. In 1 Corinthians he says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Hey, Paul was pretty good at lofty speech. I mean, that's why he stood in the square and, and, and debated and persuaded people. I mean, he, it's not that he couldn't do it. Said he, he said, that's not why I came. That's not what I came to do. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. What? Paul? Because he doesn't need them. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Not His Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He was so concerned in love for the people that He laid down His desire to be smart and intelligent. He laid that down. He laid down His, you know, educated, you know, reputation. His... his Intellect, which he had, he was really well endowed with. He laid it down 
so that, just so that, they didn't attribute any of it to the wisdom of men. He didn't even want that at all. He wanted all of the credit to go to God and the power of God. Now, Jesus did the same thing. Yeah. I mean, he, he did the same thing. Jesus laid that down too. Think about, think about in, in Luke 24, 25 through 27, when he's walking along. And uh, those two guys, they didn't recognize him. They walked to Emmaus. And, uh, he said, and, and uh, they said, well, he said, what are these things you're talking about? Well, haven't you heard what's been going on here? Well, listen to what he does. Listen, listen, how he said, listen to how he teaches them. And he said to them, Oh, foolish ones. Okay, alright. So that, He's just telling the truth, though. And slow of heart to believe. That's, that's where we're getting to the, to the good stuff. Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So what is Jesus doing? Do you notice that he didn't say, Oh, foolish ones. Slow to believe my wisdom. You notice Jesus didn't say, he could have, because in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. Do you notice he didn't do that? What did he do? He said, believe all, the, all that the prophets have spoken. What? Why didn't, he, why didn't he point to himself right then? Why didn't Jesus point to himself, give himself credit for that? For just for really being the embodiment of all wisdom and, and, and knowledge. He was completely humbling himself, laying that down. Laying that down for these two guys. Now he mentions the prophets, but that's that, that's because God has revealed his gospel, told his story through these prophets and says was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory and beginning with Moses here's what Jesus does he gets the Bible out and beginning with Moses and all the prophets he interpreted to to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself he could have just said take my word for it because I have all the wisdom and knowledge Jesus didn't even do that. Why do we do that? Why do we say, because I said so? Because it just is. I mean, why, why, why do we... Well, it's that pride. It's, it's fun to know something someone else doesn't know. Jesus wasn't really enjoying the, the fact that he knew some stuff they didn't know. It looks like he's pretty upset. Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart. And he begins to love them. By taking them through and teaching them with the, with the scriptures, all the things concerning himself. So he didn't he didn't act like it's some big secret. They should have known it already. It was already the, it was, they already had that. So it's, it's not like he looked, hey guys get ready I'm about to unveil a big secret. Here I am. That's not what happened. They should have already known it. And he, yeah, he kind of rebukes him at first, but then he takes gently in love. He goes and he teaches them. 
we're going to be we're going to be really attempted, uh, tempted to to be ashamed of the gospel and it's I don't want to say simplicity because there's so much complexity at the same time but it's well the fact that we didn't have anything to do with it I mean we, we might be ashamed of that Paul says I won't be ashamed of that we're going to be tempted to try to supplement it throw in a little you know plausible words of wisdom some lofty speech so I mean let's think about it for a second if someone's really hungry um, what do we want to give them when uh, someone's really hungry did do you think they want to hear about how the hot dog came about? You know? No. They, they want to eat. They need to eat. They need the food. They need the hot dog. So, you know, sometimes what we'll do is, instead of, instead of giving the, 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 the food, God says, taste and see that I'm good. Taste the gospel. Instead of doing that, we, we throw stuff out. Like, we wouldn't want to salt and pepper it a little bit. Make it sound, we throw words out like, oh yeah, community. There. <laughs> or, on mission. We just throw that in there because the God, like, I'm presenting the gospel and that's not enough, so I'm just going to throw it because I think that might tickle their ears a little. They like that. You know? Or, organic. Throw that out there. We think that's going to help help them along a little bit. Try to assure them. Listen, listen. It's it's more than a gospel, okay, guys. It's 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 it's, it's this too. Make it taste better. But we're not to do that. Trust the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Now, for some of you, this is a relief. I mean, this is a relief for some people. It was a relief for me when I was studying. It was a relief for me because I'm not as brainy as some people. So if you're not, you know, if you're not that professor that, that uh, uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, he had, he, he lived up here. His body only existed to carry his head around. He, you know, if you're not that, then that's okay. You, you don't have to, you don't have to have that. You can lead someone to the gospel. You can embody the gospel. You can live the gospel. You can proclaim the gospel. You can do that. And that's a relief for some of us. Phew. Good. I can be involved in this thing Paul's talking about where it says, everyone teaching everyone with all wisdom. It doesn't say everyone, only the smart people. Teaching everyone, only the elite, those with the answers. Say this is everyone teaching everyone with all wisdom. So we can be involved in that. That's good. Now, some of you, this is not a relief. This is a some of us because I think this touches on all of us at, at one point. But this is actually an offense. I'm offended. I don't like this. I don't like what you said. You said you don't like books. That's not what I said. I love books. The knowledge is not something we should 
we should try to attain. No, not actually in Proverbs it says that it's, it's worth not understanding and, and knowledge and wisdom. They're, very, they're, they're worth more than silver and gold. I mean. Yeah, so I'm not saying that. So, but, I mean, we're offended by that. Some of us, this is going to be a point of, uh, a point of, of repentance is what it's going to be for us because we've been leaning on our own understanding. I don't care how smart you are. You can have a thousand books or you can not read as much as you should. You're still going to be tempted to lean on your own understanding, take control, and move forward and add something to the gospel. That's what you're going to be tempted to do. And not to acknowledge God in all your ways and not to acknowledge Jesus' kingship over all of this. And some of you and are, are doing what, what I did when I was a sandwich artist looking to awaken the giant within become a supervisor or something. <laughs> Bread baker. But, and you're in that place and your life is in the dumps. You may not have a .75 average but you're in a place where you're in despair. You don't feel you have any control. And you're going to want it. And you're going to be watching TV for it. And you're going to be reading the Yahoo stories for it. Or whatever. And you're going to be... Or you're going to... You're going to try your best to get the education thinking that will solve the problem. Or you're going to listen to false teaching. And you're going to, you're not going to hear the gospel. You're going to be tempted to do that. Well, that's what the gospel's for you then. That's why Jesus did it. That's why he came as a person. That's why he uh, rose again. That's why the same power that rose him from the dead is uh, for you. So that may be you. That's why Paul says in love for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you man I mean we're oh I'm th- I mean we're thinking so much about air conditioned lives and just, Paul didn't have that Paul had been Paul had been suffering I loved I loved how Luke brought that to light because we know so little about it I'm not saying we should all just you know flog each other so that we know what that's like but man, there's something about that. When he says great struggle, he's not talking about sitting at home rubbing his beard. That's what people say, well, I've been struggling. No, he was actually struggling sometimes for his life. For these people. Pleading with them, don't believe that book that's telling you there's something else. Don't it, it, it's it's a it's a it's an empty bag of chips or it's 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 empty deceit. It's not going to help you. You still have a .75 average. You still are a sandwich artist. You still can't get in the community college. I finally did. I mean, it, it, it it's a lie to you. It was a lie to Adam and Eve and still a lie to us. It, 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 it's the biggest lie. 
But thank God the power of the gospel is bigger than that lie. Because immediately, when Adam and Eve had done what they did, God immediately, without any time passing, and I would even argue he had done it before that happened, he began to pursue them to back. He went right after it. He went right after him immediately. He starts sowing animal stuff. He's already got this, this story. He's already, he's already telling the story about, about bringing uh, his people back to him. I mean, it, it's it immediately. So yeah, there are lies. And, and, and look, I, as, Paul, as Paul's talking to them, he's talking to us. He's pleading with us. Don't. Don't, don't. Don't, please don't believe that there's something else other than the gospel. The power of the gospel to save other than Jesus. Please don't. Don't do that. He pleads. And at the end he says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you will be filled in Him. And when you're filled, you're not looking for other stuff to fill you. I mean, really, let's be honest. But as, we're, as we're getting ready to go into worship here, we really need to, to be honest with ourselves as we're, as we're, you know, as a church, we take communion and we, and we, and we have some worship time. This way we can, we can actually... Uh, respond. You know, Luke said a little bit about this. Respond to the challenge of the Word. It's always confronting our flesh. It's always pointing out, oh, yeah, I need to change. I need to, re- I need to repent. I need to, I need to not lean on my own understanding. Lord, I, I, wanna, I don't want to do that anymore. I have trusted this. I have trusted that. I have believed this. I don't care if you're a Christian or not. You've still done that. And we're going to be tempted to do it. So if you're not a Christian, then, hey, embrace the gospel. <laughs> embrace Jesus. But if you, if you are, embrace the gospel. <laughs> embrace Jesus. I mean, throw yourself on Him. We're going to be doing that. So let's, 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 let's do that. Let's, um, let's turn our hearts to Him and allow the Holy Spirit who will very... Specifically and very uh, purposefully put his finger on things in our lives and things about us that, that out of love and kindness, he says, ooh, you put that up, you're leaning on that. Because we don't need it, we're filled. And he is the head, it says, of all rule and authority. He, he is king over wisdom. He's king over knowledge. He's king over, thank God, He's king over us. And He's king of the gospel. And that, that's really, 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 really good news. That's the best news ever.